You know, don't you, that when Jesus was a child, that he grew up with a mezuzah on his door. His father would have placed it there, a little package that contained scripture. And every time Jesus would come through that door, he would jump and touch that little ceramic or most likely leather pouch in which that scripture was held. He would have jumped and hit it as if he was giving somebody a high five as he was going through the door. And his mother would have smiled as he got taller. His efforts had to be just a little less each time until the point that he would reach up and almost look at it at eye level. It still is a part of Jewish tradition that this is carried on in families. Sometimes just glancing at it is enough to remember. Sometimes reaching out to touch it. Other times to kiss the fingertips and to let that be transferred to the object of the longing of your heart. And that is to truly embody what is said there in this scripture. This Torah distilled into one short phrase. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. You and I need to understand the essence of what this is all about because that's what this is brewed down to be. It is all about... Loving God with all your being, with everything about who we are, to love God with all of who he has made us to be. Now, the Ten Commandments are not so complicated that they cannot be learned. Even a child can learn the Ten Commandments. For those of you who might need a crib sheet you can look back in this chapter, in the fifth chapter, the chapter just before the one out of which the passage was read this morning, and you can see that these Ten Commandments are detailed not only in Exodus chapter 20, but they are detailed in Deuteronomy chapter 5 as well. But you know that there are a whole lot more laws than these Ten Commandments. In fact, just looking through the book of Deuteronomy or looking through the book of Leviticus, you get an idea of where this train is going. Once you have gotten on to the path of serving God by way of laws, even holy laws, there has to be another law in order to interpret the first law. And in fact... These become such a multitude of responsibilities that by the time that Jesus is on the scene, everything and everybody was being evaluated as to how well they were keeping the law. These laws that were designed for good purpose 
were working against what God had designed them to do. The Shema, this hero Israel, this short phrase was accessible to children. And perhaps this is the reason that it had such importance to the Jewish people. And they claimed it the way that they did. Because of its simplicity, it was something that all in the family could embrace. It was a constant reminder of getting down to the basics of what we are called to do. In fact, here in this scripture, it says not only to put them on the doorframe of your house, but also to bind them as a sign on your heart, to, to do that on your hand, on your forehead, so that everywhere you go, you carry this reminder to love God with all of your being. Now, it was probably the case that, that even in Jesus' day, uh, only the most orthodox of the Jews took this and actually did it. But there were those people that Jesus would have seen on a daily basis that had this scripture bound to their hand and bound to their forehead so that everywhere they went, it was a reminder to them and to others who saw them of the importance of loving God with all of our being. This is important to remember. In fact, it's enough of the essence of what we are about. And yet even this lends its way to other laws which are our undoing. In Deuteronomy 6 verse 2, it says here, Do this so that you and your children and your children's children may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life. And in Deuteronomy 11, it becomes even more specific about this fearfulness. Take care or you will be seduced into turning away and serving other gods and worshiping them. For then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and he will shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain and the land will yield no fruit then you will perish quickly off the good land that the Lord is giving you. We know through our reading of the book of Proverbs that these words are preserved for us to remember. The fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom, right? In Proverbs chapter 1, you can find these words in the 7th verse. And in the ninth chapter of Proverbs, the 10th verse, the same is repeated. That's not the only place that these words are spoken. You can read in the book of Psalms that the psalmist says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, Jesus took this to heart and understood it better than you and I do or anyone who's ever lived. I think he would say to us today, remember, it is the beginning of wisdom, not the end of wisdom, to fear the Lord. It is the beginning of common sense to realize that the Lord is in charge of everything. But this kind of fear is not something that needs to be manipulated in the way that the temple or the church was doing. 
in its early days. Some families have a misunderstanding of how fear should be used. And they manipulate children by using fear tactics. I was in a store and I overheard a child who was misbehaving. He was misbehaving. But how many children do you know that occasionally will misbehave? In this situation, the father reached over and swatted the child on the rear end. And I thought, well, that's interesting that he would do that in such a public place in this day and age. But what really got me was this, that the mother spoke angrily to the father and said, hit him harder. You did not hit him hard enough. And I thought, what does this child have to deal with at home? It's almost as if we are reading that passage from Proverbs that says, train up your child in the way that you go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. It's almost like we're reading, threaten a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You and I don't realize the damage that we do. The damage that we do is lifelong for children who become fearful of adults who seek to manipulate them and who become fearful because they have been told of a God who will do even worse if they do not keep their lives in order. We send these mixed messages, though, because these are the same children that we raise singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But we also are saying, but God will get you if you misbehave. Ultimately, you better be in great fear of God. You see, I think this has become such a part of who we are as a culture that we've let it infect even the way in which we celebrate Christmas. You know that this is approaching. If you haven't been into Walmart lately, you don't realize that Christmas is on the way. But it is coming. We capture the way in which we communicate with children in song. You've sung it and I have too. You better watch out. What? You better not cry. You better not pout because Santa Claus is coming to town. He's watching. He sees you even when you are sleeping as if to keep up with any misbehavior, even when you're sleeping. You see the damage that we can do? By this way of thinking, this very manipulative way of thinking and communicating about God, because for God... God, I do not believe, looks in this way upon us. And I do not believe that Jesus thought that this was God's way of operating. In fact, as I've just read here from Deuteronomy, it says, For then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and he will shut up the heavens, but... 
Don't you know that Jesus was processing these very same words when in his preaching, his first sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he spoke these words in interpretation of who God is and what God is about. You've heard that it was said that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain, specifically rain, on the righteous and on the unrighteous. What do you do with that? I want to listen. I want to listen to the best interpreter of Scripture that has ever walked this planet. Jesus, who gives us the correct interpretation of what we should be thinking about God. We who are so trapped in fear mode, who do such damage, especially to children. Especially to children. Jesus is the one who said, remember, I'm with you always. When John, this precious friend of Jesus, was writing about this one that he knew so well, you remember that he wrote in that first letter of his, the fourth chapter, the 18th verse, perfect love casts out fear. Now, I had a child come to me this week, and he said, you've been to the fair. I said, not yet, but I'm going to go. He said, well, let me tell you. He said, there's some rides that are better than others. And he got very animated. And I said, oh, yes. I said, which ones are the best? And he said, well, he said the scariest ones. And he named two or three rides that he had been on. He said, but if you really want to get sick. And I stopped him and I said, I really don't want to get sick. He said, but if you really want to throw up. I said, go ahead and tell me. And he told me the ride. He said, that's the worst of all. He said, that'll make you sick. There's a fun way to be in fear. There is a fun way to be in fear. But if you really get down to paying attention to children, really paying attention to children, you'll realize that there's some fears that are absolutely real for them. Very, very real for them. If you listen to them, if you communicate with them, you'll realize that there's some things that are just naturally intimidating by being so small in such a big environment. The world has this weightiness to them every day. And they, at times, are moved to tears because of very real fear. Jesus saw this, and he gathered children around him. He said when others were pushing them away, 
he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. And on another occasion, when the disciples were discussing among themselves who is the greatest, he saw a grand opportunity and he took a child and set the child in the midst of them. And he said, whoever wants to be first must be last and servant of all. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. How is it that you relate to children in the world? How is it that you think about God in any given moment? Are you fearful? Is your life driven by fear of what God is doing or will do? Or is it driven by this deep, innate understanding of God's love? So much love for the world that he sent his only son Do you understand how to communicate that love to those around you? There are lots of rules, even today in the church. There are certain ways that we do certain things. And when we get off course, everybody gets a little discombobulated, especially when something like that happens in worship. But rules have no meaning to us if they are not infused with the very essence of what we are about. And the essence is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. This is the essence of who we are called to be. Love God with all your being because you know he is loving you with all he is as well.